Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 306 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Beth White. Beth lives in New Bern, North Carolina, where she is a retired middle school teacher. She taught math, which was something I loved teaching when I was a teacher. Welcome, Beth. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's super great to talk to you today. Another coastal dweller. How far is New Bern from the beach? Oh, I can get to a beautiful beach of Emerald Island about 30 minutes from my house. Which beach do y'all go to? We do Atlantic Beach, Emerald Isle. Sometimes we take the ferry out to the Outer Banks and visit Ocracoke. Just kind of depends on our day. It is so beautiful. That brought back a lot of memories. When I was in college, 
I dated a, a boy who was from Eastern North Carolina, and we went to Atlantic Beach a lot. That was where we would go. Well, I kid Pete. I kid my husband and say that the only reason I married him is because he brought me back home to New Bern from Mississippi. So he also taught me about Beaufort. As opposed to Beaufort, which is in South Carolina. We got Beaufort, y'all got Beaufort, but Beaufort is just a beautiful town. So anyway, everybody's like, thank you for the geography lesson. (laughs) (laughs) Well, come visit New Bern. It's a beautiful place. It really, really is. So you know I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? In May of 2021, my daughter was finishing her, I have one daughter, and she was finishing her freshman year at a major university in Virginia. And You know, that was the year after COVID hit. COVID hit during her senior year. And so we wanted to, I know. That sounds, I mean, I can't think of anything worse. Well, okay, I can think of a lot of worse things. But you know what I mean. Well, it was bad. But, you know, we all kind of adjusted. I was still teaching at the time, so it was hard. It was just a hard time. But she actually had a really regular freshman year at college. Because, well, she went to a large private university in Virginia, Christian University. I'm not going to get into the name, but they did a fantastic job of sort of navigating COVID and keeping kids on campus. Was it in Lynchburg, Virginia? It was. I grew up there. Did you know I grew up there? I did not. Yeah. My parents got divorced when I was little, so I was born in Augusta. But we moved to Lynchburg when I was about to turn five. So I went to from kindergarten through high school right there in the Lynchburg area. We were in the rural, we were in Bedford County for most of that. But She loves school there. It's definitely her people. But we wanted to celebrate finishing her freshman year because we didn't get to celebrate a lot of her senior year in high school. So we went 30 minutes from our house and rented this huge beach cottage on the water. And we told her, bring your friends And she did. And I had purchased three new pair of shorts and a new bathing suit for that trip. And I purchased shorts and bathing suits. Well, a bathing suit that was way too big, right? Because I just wanted to be comfortable. And the second day we were there, I put them on and they did not fit. They were way, way too small. And I was... So you were thinking they were going to be too big, But they ended up being too small. So it was like a shock to find out what size you really were. Yeah. And I knew I was overweight because I had been overweight most of my adult life. If I wasn't overweight, I was obese. And I'm 53 at the time I was 51. And it wasn't a shock that I was overweight. It was just a shock that that size wasn't going to fit. And I was uh, distraught. And I remember, and I know the night this happened, this was May the 17th. I lay down in the bed in that beach house and I thought, I can't go down to the water with my daughter and her friends because I will embarrass her. And I just thought that being this way was robbing time with this great human I had created. (laughs) You know, I had one daughter and I didn't want to embarrass her, but I thought, I just can't do this anymore. And I bet you it was not embarrassing to your daughter. Your daughter never looked at you and saw your size, right? Never. Nope, she did not. And we've had a conversation about that because I think I've shared this with her. But I just knew, I don't want to say it was an epiphany, but there was this real come to Jesus evening with myself 
and thinking, I have got to do something that's going to work. Do you know what you weighed around at that time? We always know. Unless it's a period where we put the scale away because we didn't want to see it. I had those periods. but Oh, I didn't get on the scale at home. I don't think I really owned one at that time. I went to the doctor not long after we got home from that trip, and I weighed 263 pounds, and I'm 5'9". And that's a hard thing to say. But you know what, Jen, I had been on and off crazy diets my whole life. You know, so I knew I had gone up and down the scale. I had done the cabbage soup diet, Slim Fast, Weight Watchers, Counted Points, all that kind of stuff. I did do Fentraman and I lost a good bit of weight on that after I had my daughter. But I think that messed up my metabolism the most. Bingo. I really, really do too. Those are my years when I was able to maintain right around 130. But it was right after I'd had the boys. A friend of mine had been doing it. I was like, a doctor gave it to me. It's fabulous. But, you know, it kills your appetite. And you're just like eating tiny little bits of food. It's an ultimate low-calorie diet, which is not a good thing. And we know it's not. And I really think it trashed my metabolism. Oh, I do too. And I think after I got off Fentraman, because, you, you know, you can't take it but for so long or whatever, I saw my weight balloon and I never really could get back to anything that I felt comfortable in my skin in. And we came home from that trip and I thought, well, I've got to do something. And I had a friend in Newburn who had lost a lot of weight on keto. And honestly, I didn't know what to try. I knew everything in the past had not worked, not sustainable. So I thought, well, I'll get up every morning and I'll walk a mile and I'll eat high protein and we'll see how that works. And as I was walking, I thought, okay, I'm going to listen to some pot. I had some new earbuds, you know, some new Apple buds. And I thought, I'm going to listen to something that's very encouraging while I walk. So I knew I had to lose 100 pounds at least. Because I knew what, you know, the BMI says, which I hate the BMI now, but I just didn't, you know, I didn't know. I searched in podcasts, losing 100 pounds. Well, I didn't find you, not yet, but I did find this really loudmouth Southern woman who had terrible language, but I loved that she was really kind of on me about it, you know, and I would listen, I would walk my mile. And one day I was listening and she said, very interesting thing. She said, if you want to know why you're fat, read the obesity code. Do you remember who that woman was? I do, but I don't want to say her name because I just said something really. No, it's a Korean. She won't mind. Look, so she, she know if she has. Oh, it helped. It really moved me towards. She knows who she is if she's got. And that's why you enjoyed that part. So it wasn't a criticism. I didn't take it as a criticism. Okay, good. It's not a criticism. She owns her bad language and I'm okay if somebody owns it, you know. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. You know, so she would be delighted that you're sharing her podcast here. Because it did start (laughs) me on that path. Yeah. So she mentioned the obesity code. Right. And so I came home from my walk and my husband's sitting at the computer and I said, I'm going to jump in the shower. And I said, I want you to look up a book for me on Amazon called The Obesity Code. And I remember the look on his face like, are you kidding me? Because I hate the name too. I said, just look it up. I think I want to read it, you know. Well, I got out of the shower and he's standing at the door of the bathroom when I opened the door because, you know, I'm not going to open the door and take a shower with him. But anyway, and he said, Beth, you got to come read these reviews. He said, people are writing like paragraphs and paragraphs about how this book changed their life. And I thought, oh, really? Well, I sat down and I was moved. I thought, how are people, I mean, they're claiming that it, it, you know, changed their diabetes and all this kind of stuff. But I also read that it's science heavy and can be hard to read. So I thought, well, I'm going to get the CD. 
So I can listen to it in my car as I travel to and from work and everything. I love that you just said you were going to get the CD, by the way. <laughs> you and I are the same age. Well, didn't you get the audiobook or did you get a CD? No, I got a CD because I knew my... That's even funnier, the fact that you did get the CD because I get it. We're the same age, Beth. I know. And I ordered the CD on purpose because I wanted to be able to give it away if it did not work for me. I didn't want to see it anymore. <laughs> You know, it's like that dress that you know is never going to fit. You're like, I'm getting rid of this. So I ordered the CD. And honestly, I think I listened to the book three times, but not consecutively. You know, being a math person, the studies spoke to me. I finally felt like I got the tools that I needed to start getting it together. And it just kind of spoke to me. I would listen in my car. I would listen on the way home. I didn't have a CD player in my house. So sometimes I would sit in the garage after I got home to finish that one part, you know, and that led me to looking for the obesity code podcast. Now, I don't know that they have it anymore. They do not. Did Jimmy Moore co-host that with them? I think Megan Ramos did it and I don't know who was with her. Okay. He, there, there was Long's not a good story with that whole situation, but that podcast went away. Now they have another one, which has not got a bad story along with it, and it's great. So avoid the one. If anybody's listening, avoid the one with Jimmy Moore, but look for the one. They call it the Fasting Method now, and that they have some great guests on the Fasting Method. Good stuff. I didn't listen very long because, of course, and then at that point, I had the book. And I began reading how to fast, and I and then I found Fast Feast Repeat. I started within two weeks of finishing the Obesity Code and listening to the podcast and finding Fast Feast Repeat. I began an 18-6 window because I was working at the time and it was easy, but I was not clean fasting. I was sipping on bone broth. Well, if you come through the fung world, I love Jason Fung, and you know I do, because the obesity code taught me so very much, but it taught me about the clean fast, and then he's like, yeah, but have a little cream, have a little broth, it's all right. And I'm like, no, tell him not to. (laughs) I was not clean fasting. I'd sip on bone broth at lunch, but you know, I easily went to a 20-hour fasting window very easily. And then, honestly, Jen, I felt so good. I felt like exercising longer. My one mile turned into a five mile. And then when the time changed in October, I was going to run out of daylight. And I thought, what am I going to do? Because I was in this great, you know, I was losing weight. I was feeling good. My fasting was going good. Even though I went clean fasting, I was still having my morning milkshake, coffee milkshake. I thought one day it was getting dark and I thought, well, I'm going to see if I can jog. I could. I've never run anywhere but to Krispy Kreme. I couldn't focus. I was like, what in the world? You know, I ran and then I began to jog more. And so even though I was still not clean fasting, I was getting better at um, not using the, what I call training wheels. That's what they say. You know, Megan Ramos uses those exact words, training wheels. And I would encourage everybody who's listening just to rip off that Band-Aid right away. They're not helping. You think they are. You think they are. They're just, they're, maybe they're emotionally helping, but they're not helping physically. And when you rip them off, it just really gets so much easier. But anyway, yeah, you're starting to release the training wheels. In November, 
I had lost 50 pounds. From May? From May 17th. Wow. (laughs) And I kind of was stalled. Looking back, I probably should have just stayed off the scale. I've given my scale. I mean, I don't get on my scale very often anymore. I've just moved it away from my sight because I'm like you. I got a little bit of a healthy relationship with the scale. But I had a colleague at work that talked me into visiting her gym, a local gym. And I got to tell you, I have never been in a gym that I felt comfortable in. So I kind of was like, oh, whatever. It was an immediate comfort. The owner of the gym, it's a local gym. It's called Sound Fitness. The owner of the gym is Brooke and her trainer. I met with her. I weighed 213 the day I met with her. And she was real. She became this cheerleader. She worked with me on strength training. She loved the idea of fasting. Super, super supportive. The owner thought this was the best thing ever. And, you know, it's weird how you can find your community. I found a community. And I wasn't a gym rat. I mean, people will tell you, they don't know who I am anymore. Because they're like, what are you doing at a gym? You're usually at a shoe sale. You know, they're real people. It's not this fake atmosphere. So working out helped, but I still was kind of hanging on to that coffee. And then in January, I revisited your book, Fast Feast Repeat, and I thought, I'm going to go with alternate day fasting, and I'm going to give up this cream and sugar. So you were still putting sugar in there, too? Well, it was sweetener. Okay, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It does the same thing. Well, it does. It does, yeah. So I remember telling myself in the middle of January of 2022, I'm going to give myself three weeks to get off the cream and sweetener or sugar. Well, I did it in 10 days. I halved it, and then I fourthed it, and I thought, this is stupid. And I went to Black Coffee, and it was a game changer. I love hearing that. The punchline is game changer. That's what I was hoping for. It was a game changer. I wouldn't go back to it. I do not miss it anymore. Not at all. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on 
on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. I began to focus more on whole foods. You know, the part in the obesity code about how we didn't have an obese problem in this country until processed foods really came along. Yeah, and we had carbs. So that's the part that, you know, if you read the obesity code or listen to it, he is not anti-carb. He is anti-ultra-processed foods. And so it boggles my mind that everybody comes away from that thinking they got to be, you know, keto. And he talks about the problem with ultra-processed foods and how our bodies aren't managing to deal with those foods. No, I totally, and you know, the whole scientific study of that, I just gave up as much processed food as I could. I eat very high protein because it works for me. I don't know, you know, it doesn't work for some people. That's good. But I don't have a problem eating it. Now, the biggest thing I had to give up was my wine. It messed with my sleep. And, you know, for a while, I was so in denial. I was like, I know I can't sleep. I'm working out too, you know, I'm walking too close to going to bed. And no, that's not the case. Well, you've heard me talk about that and my struggles with that. I am now at the point, thank you to progesterone, I am now at the point that I can have a glass of wine and sleep through the night. Oh, I would love to be there. <laughs> I know. It feels like a miracle. Like I'm sleeping eight hours a night. I'm not having wine every day. Like one night recently, I slept nine hours. You know, we're old when we are jealous of people sleeping instead of how late they can stay out. <laughs> well, it's true. But I struggled with my sleep for so many years that it feels like, you know, ever since probably around 2019 is when it really got bad through the whole menopausal transition to have good night's sleep again feels like a miracle. So I just wanted to tell you there is some hope. <laughs> you know, the problem, I don't miss wine until people drink socially. One of the books, and, and I'll just go back to this, that I heard you mention on a podcast was Atomic Habits. And that helped me give up the wine. Because I created a process at home that didn't include sitting down with a glass of wine. So what's your new process? My new process is to take a walk instead of sitting down at the computer and pouring a glass of wine. If I feel like I want to do that, I just take a walk. And it just works better for me, but I'd be misleading you if I told you I didn't miss it. I still, there are times I miss it, but I trade off wine for the life I have now. I'm good. I'm all good. But in April, I had lost down to 185 and I thought I was feeling good. You know, I was now a runner, which is still crazy to me to call myself that. I was really happy in my clothes, but I thought my journey started with I was going to lose 100 pounds. So you were not there yet. Was not there yet. And I would get on the scale and I was still doing ADF, which for me was I didn't eat Monday or Wednesday. And on Fridays, I didn't eat until after four. Saturdays, I was okay. You know, I pretty much thought about I would wait until the afternoon to eat. And on Sundays, it's the Lord and I worked it out and I don't worry about it. <laughs> But I usually, I'm not a breakfast eater anymore. It just, I'm not hungry. Yeah, me too. I am just like that. I am not hungry first thing in the morning. It just, putting food into my mouth that early doesn't even seem like something I want. Right. And I think it became a habit of eating breakfast more than it was, my body was not needing fuel. 
you know, and you be, I began to get more in tune with the signals of my body. I think I had ignored those signals for so long that I had to relearn what real hunger was and, you know, how to the response of what insulin does, you know, and sort of I can trace back if I ate something I shouldn't have or I popped a piece of chocolate in my mouth and I was hungry later, I'd be like, well, this is exactly what I'm not supposed to do and this is why. But I, the scale wouldn't move and I knew I wanted to lose those 100 pounds. So I did a little something that was interesting. I didn't want to get on the scale anymore because I would get really discouraged. So I went out and I bought a really nice dress that was two sizes too small. And I hung it in my closet so I could see it. Because I knew by listening to you and your book that body recomposition, you know, happens even though the numbers aren't changing. So once a week, I'd put that dress on. So that was your gold dress. The gold dress. Yeah. I had a gold dress hanging on the back of my bathroom door in my house the whole time I was losing weight. It was a dress that I wore around probably 155 pounds. So for someone who was 210, 155 seemed like like a dream, right? I really wanted to be smaller, but 155 seemed good. I had it hanging on, on the door, and every day I would look at it. Like, I couldn't get it over my body for a long time, but I kept trying it and trying it and trying it. So yeah, I get it. I just would put it on every Friday just to see how it felt. In May, I had gone, I think, three weeks without putting it on just because I was busy and it was retiring and there was a lot of stuff going on at school and my daughter and everything. I was disappointed. I put it on. It was too big. I had completely, you know, missed that moment of wearing the dress. That is so funny. Your body was like, whoops. My body lost weight really, really fast at the end as well. It just like that body recomposition just was like, bam. Like I skipped a few sizes in there. It just happened. Yeah. So what size was that dress? Size 10. And just because I'm just going to own it since I've already said all these numbers, the shorts I to the beach that didn't fit was a women's size 22. And I just was like, this is crazy. I can just imagine because I, you know, I was wearing a 16W, 18W. And if I had got a size 22 and it didn't fit, I would have been like. It was supposed to be big. I would have been like, what? Look, I know. That would have been like a soul crushing moment, right? It was hard. And realizing that I was not going to spend time. You know, I spent a lot of time as my daughter's life being this very strict, very regimented mother because I'm an educator and I never wanted a teacher to not want her. You know this feeling of I want to have that kid that, you know, every teacher loves. And so I create, I raised this really great young woman and then my weight was stealing time from her. Yeah. I get it. And because it people who have not struggled with their weight don't understand. That's that feels like your own personal elephant in the room. You just feel like it becomes your identifier. Yeah. You never stop thinking about it. And that sounds crazy. Like we can't enjoy our lives because we're thinking about our size and how people might be thinking about it. Right. And most people I don't think are, but it's easy to convince yourself that's the first thing someone notices about me is how large I am. I know I grew up an emotional eater. I know that. You know, some of this is Southern. You eat to celebrate and you eat to soothe. And I had to really identify that and sort of think, I've got to figure out how to not use food to celebrate and soothe. Is it okay? Wine can do that same thing. Had a hard day, pour a glass of wine. Had a good day, 
pour a glass of wine, right? Yeah, and especially teaching during COVID, it was just the easy thing to do. It was, you know, to help sort of unwind from being, as a teacher, you just are all of a sudden thrown into this situation where you have to, and I think teachers did a great job, but it was very stressful and hard. Well, it's like nothing you'd ever done before. Oh, no, but you were expected to do it in four days with a little bit of training. That's right. You know, I talked to my friends that were still in the classroom and like the ones who were, I can't even imagine like the stuff they had to go through with Zoom or whatever it was they were using and the kids and some of them like purposefully doing things like not not being able to connect, or, you know. Right. Or you have to make a rule that you have to, ha- you know, for the, for the boys, you have to have a shirt on before you come to class on Zoom. You would be surprised what you have to tell people. I would not. I would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have all these new rules that, you know, and you're just making them as you go along. And I did meet the goal weight of losing 100 pounds by the end of August. But uh, I thought I would just sort of go into maintenance there. And I did. Now, tweaking for maintenance was an adjustment for me. You know, I had done ADF for so long. I knew that health-wise, I needed to sort of find a way so that I could continue my lifestyle of intermittent fasting and maintain. So... I'm not as strict as I used to be, but I do have an honesty squirt. And when I put it on and it's tight, I got to tighten up my windows. And I will every once in a while implement an ADF, you know, a week or two. A down day, a day, a full fast. So you were, for your whole weight loss part where you were, you know, cruising along, just to summarize in case people didn't catch it, you had two days a week that were your down days, Monday and Wednesday. You did a full fast followed by up days. And then Friday, you didn't eat till after four. Very high protein, low carb, low sugar. So Saturday, you waited till later in the day. And Sunday was just a day of freedom. I just didn't even think about it. But, you know, when you look back on those days, even at the end of Sunday, it had become such a lifestyle to me that I didn't really worry about fasting because that's just how I lived. I just, I didn't get up and eat breakfast. I didn't put cream and sugar in my coffee, that kind of thing. So when you were at maintenance, now you've lost a hundred pounds, which is remarkable and in a relatively short time as well. A year and three months, two months. That's pretty good. So you're now thinking, okay, how am I going to change what I've been doing into more of a maintenance lifestyle? So what did you do? I went back to, now I'm at a 20 and a four window and that's used, that's my normal lifestyle. I'll have a few days every once in a while. Like I just, we kept, we went on a cruise in December and I came back and I went straight into that ADF and got right back where I was before. My total weight loss right now is 109 and I'm very comfortable with that. So I give myself a range. I don't get real excited if I'm 158 instead of 152, but I usually go between 152, 158. And I think that's healthy. Well, that's what, what maintenance is. Maintenance is a range, not a weight. And we're always going to go up and down within a range, just depending on what do we just eat. I think women in general have different parts, times of the month and, you know, you put on water or whatever, you know, and I've had a lot of non-scale victories. I ran my first 5K in October of 2022, ran my first 10K in November of 2022. And I told no one but my husband, I was, well, I told the gym owner, Brooke, and I told my trainer, Jill, but mainly because they knew if I failed, it would still be okay. You know, I knew that they would still be my biggest encouragement, but I would, it's a feeling like no other. 
to somebody who was could barely go up and down steps without feeling it to run a 10K is crazy. I totally get that. It was hard for me to go up and down steps. It's so hard. And I would do anything to avoid having to do that. And now I walked on the beach the other day for five miles. The only reason I know is because I had my iPhone with me. I'm going to start taking that when I, I usually don't take it when I walk on the beach, but I just had it in my pocket. And I was like, I wonder how far I went. 5.1. Without even thinking about it. Yeah, I felt great. I was in the fasted state and I wasn't like extra hungry later. I mean, it didn't, it was nothing. It was just no big deal for my body. And then later I had my normal window and... The 5K was, the when I crossed that finish line, it was emotional. I went out of town to do it, and so I didn't know anybody there. It was a personal challenge. You wanted to see if you could do it. It is. And I think my biggest non-scale victory was in 2017, I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which put me on a regimen of, basically, I took one to two Imodium tablets a day. And a few Pepto-Bismol tablets if I was in in a lot of stress. I no longer take any medication. And all I can attribute that to, Jen, is that my colon had time to heal. I can't say that a doctor would tell me that. I have a great gastroenterologist, but and he's thrilled. If it worked, it's great. But that's a life changer. I can't even imagine. I've never had... I mean, obviously, everyone has had diarrhea in their life, right? But I've never been one who has it very often or struggled with it, only with like an illness or something. So I can't imagine having that as like your standard way of living and how awful that would be for your life. You've seen the commercials for the prescription drugs of people who, wherever they go, they're looking for the restroom. That was a way of life for me. I can't even imagine it. People have a digestive, let's just say digestive adjustment period with intermittent fasting is common for some people, but I never had that. So I don't even understand. I'm like, it sounds terrible. I don't know. Hopefully it'll quit. But if you're someone who deals with that, you know, to know the hope of it being gone, you know, I couldn't put that claim in a book. Like it will heal your ulcerative colitis. You couldn't claim that, but clearly nothing else had. Like how long did you struggle with that? Oh, I was diagnosed in 2017. And I remember thinking in October of 2021, I think I can wean myself off this medicine. And as soon as I went to ADF, it was, I didn't need it anymore. Fabulous. Changed your life right there. It was a risk (laughs) to not take the medicine. But I was at the point, not long, I mean, I was almost to the point of having to go on prescription medicine which adds a lot of issues, according to my doctor. You know, if you can stay on the -the over-the-counter medicine, it kind of control, and that's what I was going for. That is a huge change. Had he ever seen anybody, like, just totally reverse it like that and not need medicine anymore? You know, it's not an easy subject to talk about, but I have talked to people who have had IBS, the intermittent fasting really made a difference. So that's probably one of the biggest victories I had. Just in a whole life change. Everything about my life has changed. When I, I, I visit my daughter, I try to visit for a weekend or a night or two every once in a while, especially since I retired and I have the time during the week. And one night I went to visit her in the fall and we were laying in the bed talking. She lives in an apartment, so I can do that now. When she lived in the dorm, you know, you had to get a hotel room. And she looked at me and she said, Mom, you're the happiest I've ever known you. And I thought, gosh, she's 20 years old. <laughs> And I think that's, I'm really blessed that she can say that, that she said, you're the happiest I've ever known you. 
that shows a lot. I mean, again, my boys, of course, they're boys, not girls, but neither of them saw me, I think, at my weight. or It was just me struggling with it. And it sounds like your daughter didn't either. But you're modeling to her taking care of yourself, you know, and you're not doing anything that feels restrictive or like punishing your body in any kind of a way. Like some of those old things that we did felt like we were punishing ourselves. You know, you're not like running to work off your food, you know, you're running because it feels good. You know, it's keeping your body youthful and you are caring for yourself. And she sees it as happy mom. And it just shines that joy. The joy just shines through. I like, I can see it in your face. Yeah. And I think I had to change my whole mindset about how my body looked. I remember I was doing weights at the gym one day and the owner came by, Brooke came by and she said, oh, I can see that you've upped your weights. And I said, yeah, I want some pretty arms. I want pretty arms. And she spun around and she said, no, we want healthy arms. I remember thinking, oh yeah, that's what we want. (laughs) You know, when you change that whole mindset about how you view yourself, what is not skinny, not pretty, healthy. And strong. And strong. We want to be healthy. We want to be strong. We want to be vibrant. We want to be energetic. All those things. That whole idea really has resonated with me. You're working towards a life that is strong and healthy instead of thin and pretty. Well, exactly. Because, I mean, I know that that being thin and pretty is not just a Southern thing, but it really is in the South you know, good or bad, maybe it's changing now. I don't know. I, you know, we're, we're both 53, but we were very much raised to be good little girls. And that included fitting in in all the ways. Right. And I don't know that it's just Southern, but there is definitely a pressure here. In case you can't tell from my... Our hair is different. <laughs> There's a lot of different stuff. <laughs> you know, but I did grow up in the deep South. I'm sure that you can tell. But yeah, there was always this pressure to be a certain size and look a certain way. And that mindset, I hope that my daughter understands. It's funny, the medical community, my doctor in particular, was extremely supportive of this. In fact, she said, she told me, she said, Beth, there are studies out now that um, intermittent fasting is really making a change in dementia, Alzheimer's, brain work, you know, how our brains work and aging. I have shared with my husband that, and he shared with his doctor, and his doctor said, "Ah, oh, you're just reducing calories. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Thanks, doc, for not knowing anything. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Okay. Those are the doctors that need to read Mark Matson's book. That one is called, hold on, I'm looking at it on my shelf, The Intermittent Fasting Revolution. Dr. Mark Matson, The Intermittent Fasting Revolution. It's super duper science but it is the book for anybody. Like if you've got a doctor who's like blah, blah, blah fasting, it's just eating fewer calories, they need to read Dr. Mark Matson's book. He's got a background in neurological research, MIT. He's the one who wrote the big New England Journal of Medicine article in 2019 where uh, it came out like December 26th. And that was when it got really exciting because suddenly people saw intermittent fasting as a healthy thing instead of just how to lose weight. Because that was the shift I think we really needed to see. It's not just a way to lose weight, it's a way to be healthy. And, you know, when someone like him studies the effects of fasting in a lab, right, for decades, and then you find out he's been living an intermittent fasting lifestyle himself since the 1980s, because he understands the neurological benefits that it, it can give us. You know, he's a hard scientist. He's not just like trying to be skinny. You know, he wants to be healthy. I'm sure he never needed to lose any weight, right? But especially doing intermittent fasting since the 80s. But 
showing that kind of thing. He's got all the science gathered together in that book. It's super duper sciencey. It reads like a journal article. So a doctor, someone like Chad, who's, you know, a scientist, they would really appreciate that. I've written that down. So we'll we'll definitely, I'll throw that to the wolf that I live with. It's like, oh, you're just lowering your calories. So does your husband really think that's what it is? Does he still kind of think that? And especially if his doctor said it. Well, he's super supportive. It's okay if he thinks that, by the way, because probably, I mean, that's how we all have been taught. So Right. It, but you know what, Jen? It took me reading the obesity code to finally see how ridiculous it is that a 200-calorie piece of brownie is not the same as a 200-calorie piece of salmon. It's true. And these points that people assign, you know, the think that the body is that of a simple machine is ridiculous. Well, you know, and... and- Calories in, calories out, right? But the thing is, is that we're not just a fixed system. What we, the input changes the output, right? I saw it in action when I was wearing the CGM. Yeah, I could eat a very similar opening snack. Like I watched one day, I had Ezekiel bread with avocado on it. Ezekiel bread is very high fiber, delicious. And I saw my blood sugar very slowly go up over time because my body's breaking down all the fiber in that Ezekiel bread very slow. Then the next day, I had a piece of sourdough bread with avocado on it. The same, you know, kind of meal, right? My blood sugar shot up because that white sourdough bread went into my system very quickly. And it was processed completely differently. I mean, how much work did my body have to do to break down that Ezekiel bread? A lot. The sourdough bread was practically pre-digested. And so, you know, if you're putting in ultra-processed foods that go straight to your blood system, easily digested, your body isn't having to do the work to break it down. That changes the whole calories outside of the equation. Right. And that whole thought process, and that was one of the reasons that the obesity code really spoke to me, and Fast Feast Repeat, was this idea that it is that simple as assigning a point system to something. That whole mentality just struck me as, this is crazy. Why did I ever think that my body was that simple? And you're going to be a lot hungrier after eating your 200-calorie brownie that goes straight into your blood system versus a 200-calorie salmon. Of course, I'm not going to eat any salmon because you know I don't like fish. What could I have? 200-calorie steak. I'll have a 200-calorie piece of filet mignon. But your body has to work on that and break it down and it's staying around versus, all right, I'm done after the brownie. Bring me something else. And it's real whole food. And in fact, one of the things I have really hoped that I have encouraged my daughter to do is to eat whole food. I've even upped her grocery money because I'm like, go buy produce. Better food. Yeah. Do not get the ramen noodles, cup of noodles. Stay away from that. (laughs) The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. 
Bite Clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I still struggle with some things. If I am traveling, it's hard. And I hate when I hear people who say, well, have a cheat day. No, it's not a cheat day. No, there's no cheat. Stop. You don't need to cheat. That mentality is dangerous. I think so, too. So there are times when I travel, especially when we took our cruise in December, I said, you know, I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm going to just be very careful of what my body is telling me. When you feel like you've had enough, stop eating that. Even if your plate still has a lot on it. That was the thing that got me through cruises. You know, I haven't cruised since 2019, but it was just knowing that I didn't have to eat all of everything that was presented to me because I didn't want to feel so full and gross. I think as, like I said, most of my adult life, I was either overweight or obese. There were times in there where I wasn't because I had done some sort of quick fix something. But you learn to ignore those cues because you're eating for whatever reason. And, you know, just knowing, being more in tune with those cues, I think helps me. When I'm traveling. But it's still a little bit of a struggle when you're traveling. Is it because other people are eating meals? and Absolutely. And it's really hard to not eat processed food. If you're traveling, you're on the road, you know. Restaurant food is hard. It's hard to find something that's going to be the same quality that you have at home. Around here in the South, we our restaurants tend to be heavy on the fried side dishes and the... You know, if you you want fries with that, or do you want coleslaw <laughs> with that, or do you want <laughs> exactly, exactly? You can get some hush puppies, or <laughs> oh, yes. No, I need vegetables. Do you have any beans? No, <laughs> they don't have any beans. <laughs> so the way you eat has really changed completely. The foods that you put on your plate. So would you say that you're low carb or just whole food, real food? I am low carb because I like protein. It's not odd for me to break a fast and start with like a mini charcuterie board with cheese and meat and some olives. But not the crackers and the bread and the... No, because I just realize I don't need it and I enjoy the other more. See, that's just so interesting. I am the opposite. Like if I don't have something starchy, I don't feel like I've eaten. I don't know why. For me to have satiety, like if I just had cheese and meat and olives... That would be delicious, but then I would, I need something else. I need that. And it's not because I'm like addicted to the story. I just, I need it to feel satisfied. I think I struggle with, like you, with, I, baked goods are great. You know, if they're here, I'll eat them or whatever, if they're offered. And, but I struggle with, I like cheesy, salty. Yeah. Crunchy. I found a product not long ago called Moon Cheese. Have you had? Yes. Is it like they just, it's just a cheese crisp, but it's just cheese. Is it Parmesan or they have different kinds? I think they have different flavors and it sort of reminds me of a Cheez-It. It's just made out of cheese. That will satisfy that need for something cheesy and crunchy, you know, but I'm not against a Cheeto. Now I'm not (laughs) anti-Cheeto. I love all the O's, Cheeto, Dorito, Frito. I just love that. And I'm sorry, I may be a giant food snob, but I still like Nacho Doritos. Oh, absolutely. The nice thing is, is this lifestyle I have, nothing is 
denied. But I can't think of the last time I've had one. I can't think of the last time I've had a, a Dorito. But, you know, take me down to the Chimichanga Llama down the road here and get me a basket of chips and chips some, and queso well they have this queso bean dip at the chimichanga llama that's even better because it's got the beans in there too so that makes me even you know how i am about beans maybe not everyone would like that but they also have a really good homemade guacamole so one the other day it was like a beautiful spring day and i was down there and sometimes i'll go down there and chad will come down and meet me later sometimes i'll just go by myself you know no big deal because it's a beautiful day and I was sitting there and I ordered the chips and the queso with the bean dip and the guacamole just for me. <laughs> and I'm eating it. And I look over and this whole family of four is there. It's like a husband and a wife and their two adult sons. They ordered the exact same thing I ordered, but it was for all four of them. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm having the same meal as you, but it's just for me. Or the same. It was how I opened my window. That's all right. And, oh, I know. Anyway, it was funny, but I had a snack for four. But, you know, I get it that the real food is going to make you feel better. Oh, absolutely. And I feel better about eating it. I did not feel perfectly satisfied like that was a great choice when I was done because of all those chips. I'll have to admit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's I would do that too. It's just not something I would do often. You know, and I'm not going to feel bad about it when I do it because I'm living a lifestyle that allows me to be like that. That's right. And I'm clean-ish, right? That's the, the best part. I don't eat like that every day, but when I do, I'm not going to have any guilt about it. And then I'll just acknowledge, yeah, I feel a little, ugh, that's too many chips. I'm like, okay, <laughs> go home and have a kale salad or something. But, so do you tell people about intermittent fasting in your life? I know you told your trainers and your doctor, but do you tell others? If they ask, and people do ask, they are like, what's going on? You've had a life change. You know, when you lose 109, they see it. If they ask, now I can sort of gauge if I continue talking about the reaction. You know, you're going to have people go, oh, I could never do that. That's starving yourself, you know. Um, I usually don't start out with telling them, oh, I don't eat two and a half days a week. But I do talk about your book. In fact, I don't have your book with me, but it looks, I've dropped the book in the pool about three times. So it's about, you know, four sizes. To I've had books like that. Yeah. <laughs> But I do, if people ask and they really are really interested in the real why this works, I'll let them borrow your book. And I have, I think I've loaned it three times. Well, that makes me happy because teachers want to teach, right? I just want to teach people about this lifestyle and have them try it. And it's not hard. No. In fact, I heard somebody say on your podcast, I thought this was great. They said, it's simple. It's a simple thing. But there are days it's not easy. And as long as you know that going into it. Not every moment is going to be easy. And some people will come into the community and they're like, now I hear people on the podcast and they're like, I just started and I lost all the weight and it was so easy from day one. And I'm like, no, no, it's not always easy. But I think a lot of us are so excited because it's easier than what we did before. You know, it's, it's not easy every minute. But it was a lot easier than waking up, having a diet breakfast, a diet snack, a diet lunch, and, you know, white knuckling it through these diet meals. That wasn't easy. That was terrible. Well, plus, I've never been all the diets and quick fixes I did before. I didn't feel good. This was the first thing that I tried that I felt better the longer I did it. Exactly. That's the key right there. We always say, I always say, tweak it till it's easy. Over time, it should get easier and easier and easier. That doesn't mean every day, every moment is going to be easy. There's sometimes, even now, I've been doing it, 
you know, since 2014, sometimes I have to check into myself and I'll be like, I was on my walk the other day, my five mile walk. I walked by this place that was serving breakfast and I could smell it. I'm like, mm, that breakfast smells good. Ooh, I could, I'm like, oh, I don't want to eat breakfast. What I, you know? <laughs> but my brain had that thought. Had I eaten the breakfast instead of going on that walk, I would have felt like draggy all day. And now I've had breakfast before. I didn't need to eat breakfast. Right. And I love a good brunch. Yeah. Oh, I love a good brunch. And it is something I will do very seldom because it's, you know, but brunch food tastes good at three. It does. My favorite brunch place in Pauly's Island serves brunch till three o'clock. There you go. I need the name of that place. It's called Local. Do you go to Pauly's Island? I do. All right. Well, you know where the hammock shops are? Yes. It's in the hammock shop. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't know they served a brunch till three. They do local, and they have on Saturday and Sunday. They usually have like a jazz. Somebody playing jazz in there, and something like that. Playing the guitar. It's super nice. I love to go there. I always take people there because the food is very fresh. You know, I talk about you can't get good food. You can get good food there. They have it's like more locally sourced. You can get some vegetables. It's I really like it. Good whole foods. It's whole food. Yeah, I like to take people there. I was at that restaurant when they were shooting down the Chinese spy balloon right outside my beach house that I missed because I was at local having breakfast or brunch. I was after it was brunch. It was like the afternoon. I saw it when I got there. I saw it in the sky from Polly's Island, and I thought that was the most exciting part of the day. I was meeting a friend who had driven up. And we're sitting there having our brunch, and another friend who lives in Morals Inlet up here texted me, and she said, you're going to be able to see him shoot down the spy balloon from your beach house. I'm like, I am not at my beach house. (laughs) (laughs) I did not see it, but I was there having my delicious brunch. Anyway, (laughs) so I think that it's great that we have figured out that we just have to tweak it for flexibility and maintenance. Maintenance is not scary, and you're just going along. I will not, I don't think I'll ever live another way, ever. I just don't feel a need to change what I'm doing. And like I said, a lot of it is I have learned to be very in tune with my the signals of my body. There are weeks where I do more strength training than other weeks. Those weeks, seem I seem to get hungrier sooner. Your body's asking probably for a little more protein. Yes, it's asking for healthy food. And so by learning that and not ignoring those signals, I've learned how to use those signals the correct way. I don't think I could have ever done that without implementing fasting. I don't think I would have ever learned those signals correctly. Yeah, the signals, when you're putting in also a lot of ultra-processed food and eating all day, you're getting wrong signals from your body. And your body is also confused. Your body's confused. Your body's like, I don't know what that was, but that wasn't it. Put something else in, and then you put some more junk down. Your body's like, well, that wasn't it either. And so, you know, the terminology that as soon as I heard it, I'm like, yes, that's it. Overfed and undernourished. And that just, I think, describes modern society in a nutshell. And, you know, you got to have up, lower the feeding and up the nourishment to change your life. I think that if I had not felt as good as I felt on fasting, I don't know that I would have continued it. But you just feel so good. That's exactly it. You know, someone asked me not that long ago, they're like, do you do that every day? You're still going to, I'm like, yeah, why would would I quit? (laughs) Yeah. Why would I stop doing something that has made such a, a positive impact on me? Absolutely. Well, we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I think I would definitely tell people that you've got to have the right tools and that would be 
the knowledge in the obesity code, fast feast repeat. There's a book that I read that I love that I don't think you've ever mentioned. It's called Life in the Fasting Line. I have heard that. That one feels very diety to me when I read it. I read it and it feels very, and most of it is not Jason Fung or Megan. A lot of it is the other author, Eve. And some of the wording in there is the opposite of what I would like to put out into the world. So that is not one that I recommend. I love Jason Fung, but there's some diety stuff in that one. So that's all I'm going to say. You know, I don't ever want to speak badly about work that's out in the world. And I know that, that a lot of people find that book to be very, very helpful. But it tends to make it sound like you must be low carb. And there's just a little more diet self-talk in it than I would like. I want people to break free from the dietary thoughts. And if you end up low carb because that's how your body feels the best, you are empowered to know that rather than I just read this book that said carbs are bad and I'm shameful if I overeat them, if that makes sense. I felt like it was really a good personal account. Uh, It is definitely a personal story. Right. And it added to the obesity codes signs heavy Jason Fong. I explained it to somebody the other day like this, like I think the diet and health industry has gave me like a hammer and some nails and some wood and said, here, go build your house. I think that obesity code and your book and intermittent fasting in general gave me better tools to build that house, gave me the right kind of lumber, the right kind of tools, the right kind of salt. That's the best analogy I have is to know your tools. And what your body needs might be different tools. That's that's the important part. And whenever you read anything, and I think that was part of the you know, life in the fasting lane. I'm not anti that book, but it just makes it sound like there's one way instead of multiple ways. And so I want everyone to understand, you know, maybe you're going to be somebody who's whole food plant-based and that is the way your body feels the best versus someone else might feel better low carb or someone else just eats all the foods like me. <laughs> <laughs> But you have the power to know. That's the message I want to get out there. Don't listen to what someone else eats and think that's how you should eat. Well, that, I will say this. I think women in particular, Jen, are bad about comparison. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I had to be very careful because I have a community of friends and you, there are, once I realized someone was comparing their health to mine, I kind of had to back off. I think women are really bad about that. I have a group of girls I went to college with and they have been super supportive. But there are women, I think comparison is the thief of joy. I agree with that statement. And, you know, not anyone's journey is going to be just like yours. Right. That's the only other advice I would give is find a community of people that are not using comparison. And letting everyone find their way without guilt, without shame, without comparison, without should Other than you should fast clean. That's the only should I will give you. You should fast clean and you should find a way that makes you feel good. And you will know what that is when you find it. And you don't need someone else to tell you what will make you feel good. You find it. Right. And celebrate small changes because they lead to big changes. They really do. Well, Beth, it has been such a joy to talk to you today. It's been an honor. Thank you for having me. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. 
please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.